For the first time in the 2018 BYU football season, we welcome you into the Coordinator's Corner, brought to you by JCW's, the Burger Boys. And this season, we are coming to you live from Studio 3 inside the BYU Broadcasting Building in Provo, Utah. And with cameras in studio, we've turned our show into a TV radio simulcast. My name is Greg Rubel, and great to have you with us as we visit each week with BYU football coaches and interact with fans in Cougar Nation. We are live today on BYU TV, BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143, and ESPN 960 AM. You can also get the show live online at BYUtv.org, BYUradio.org, BYUcougars.com, and on the BYU Football Facebook page. Additionally, we are on the BYU TV, BYU Radio, ESPN 960, and BYU Cougars apps. So lots of ways to tune in. And if you'd like to ask a question of the coaches, use the hashtag CCBYU or submit a question via comments on the BYU Football Facebook broadcast of this show. And on today's season premiere, just five days ahead of the Cougars' season opener at Arizona, we have all three football coordinators joining us. We'll begin with special teams coordinator Ed Lamb, then bring in defensive coordinator Elisa Tuiaki and finish off the hour with new offensive coordinator Jeff Grimes. And we start things off today with the coach wearing the most hats on the staff. He coaches the linebackers, he's the assistant head coach for Kalani Sitake, and he coordinates the special teams he is in his third year on the BYU coaching staff. He was a member of the winningest team in BYU football history back in 1996. He's, of course, Coach Ed Lamb. Coach Lamb, welcome into another season of shows. Good to be with you. Thanks, Greg. Nice to be here with you. So it is your third season of the Satake era, and as a staff, uh, BYU's 13-13 and 13 through a couple of seasons, a 9-4 and four followed by a 4-9, and nine, so kind of mirror images. And if you're not really back to square one, it's kind of an even ledger through two years through two seasons, uh, what lessons maybe are the biggest ones you've learned and the staff and players have learned uh, through years one and two? Um, well, you know, I think I'll, I'll put it in my own frame of reference. Uh, the, the thing that I'm most disappointed with as we worked through uh, uh, some difficulties last season was just our sideline demeanor, um, the belief that we would have overall in uh, in our ability to win as the season went along that waned and um, and taking each game for what it's worth every game for an, a new opportunity to win and prepare I thought we lost that and I, and uh, I don't know which comes first you know I think if I think of coach Edwards back in the days and great teams that I've been on are coached uh, there's just there's tremendous belief and demeanor on the sideline and I don't know whether you know we didn't lose a lot of games back then, so it may have been we were just winning and enjoying the moments, and uh, the occasional setbacks were easy to over, easier to overcome. But I know that uh, I know that that's a big um, goal for me this year is to uh, improve my belief and sideline demeanor, and uh, do the best job that I can to prepare so that it's true belief. Before the camp pads went on, say earlier this month. Uh, what tangible changes had you already witnessed in the way of, of what you and the staff are hope uh, are improvements in, in 2018? I feel like our the uh, the new coaching staff has certainly brought uh, um, a new energy, um, a new way of doing things. Our offensive uh, players have really responded to that, and I think our defensive players have have seen too that that there's a change. Um, you know whether or not it will be. Um, the change, the the catalyst for a, a better season or a better offensive performance. That's not uh, you know that'll be that'll be determined on game day. But I think any time that there's that there are difficulties and struggles in a season, then uh, change and newness is something that's welcomed and encouraged. Um, and then the players have really responded to it, and, and we need to do the same on defense and special teams, and I think we have. You've told me before that at this time of year, everyone thinks they're in good shape and they're ready yeah. to go. But having gone through uh, what is now almost a, a complete buildup uh, to Arizona, 
do you feel the team is as equipped as it can be, should be, uh, to, to do well and get the result you want on, on opening night here in Tucson on Saturday night? Yeah, I've, I've talked to you about it before. Um, you know, there, there's no way that we as coaches can't be optimistic. I mean, we have control of this thing. And uh, if and when we feel like that something needs to change or something needs to be better, we put emphasis into that. And we've been doing that now for months and months and then and then more intently or um, for the last month during training camp. And so, yes, we feel like everything that we can see, we've addressed and we're ready to go and we couldn't be more optimistic. What makes you most enthused, if, if, if that's the way to put, put it here heading into the opener? I think right now that the player energy, the player belief, the player confidence, um, I can feel their anxiety to go out and get the season uh, rolling. They're um, they're excited for it. They're looking forward to it. They um, they praise each other. They're excited for the success of their teammates. You know, just in in my uh, particular linebacker room where I spend the most time individually with guys, I, I can see guys excited about what they think their teammates will accomplish. Um, this next Saturday and in the season beyond, and, and that's exciting for me to feed off of. Now, on the positional side of things, you went from safeties to linebackers here in 2018 as a coach, and as a previous defensive coordinator and head coach, you've had broad oversight over the position, if you will, but the last time you were officially tied to a linebackers group was here back at BYU maybe in 2001 as a grad assistant? That's right, yeah. yeah only only two years of, of my uh, coaching career have I been specifically assigned that, that title. I think it was my second year of coaching, and then in 2001, assisting with the linebackers. So having gone from safeties to linebackers, uh, give our listeners some insight into what kind of hand you think you, uh, you've dealt yourself here at that position. Um, well, you know, I, I stacked the deck in my favor <laughs> when, we, when we moved Zane um, to linebacker. He, Somebody he, you know pretty well. Yeah, I yeah. do, and, and he brings tremendous uh, speed to the position. He has always been a physical player, but it's an opportunity for him to use that more often at the linebacker position. Um, and then uh, we we took uh, Shione Takitaki from the from the defensive end position and moved him to linebacker. And and the truth is is um, both of the positions that they were playing were, were hybrids. And a lot of the skills techniques, if you will, that they're using now as linebackers, they also used at the safety and and defensive end position. So, so there were some shared responsibilities already a little bit. There yeah, were yeah. there were, and they've just grown into that position. And so in this case, he was playing. You know, I think he was trying to play big last year at the defensive line, and and really was built uh, and suited for linebacker. So I'm I'm very excited about those two new additions. And then of course we have Butch uh, coming back and. And some other guys at middle linebacker that I think will help uh, fill in that role. It's nobody can play a full season of defense anymore. The game has changed. So to that end, in that uh, Zane and Butch and Sioni are likely going to have some snaps off at some point. Who are some other guys that right now you believe you could count on on a game day? Uh, right now, Riggs Powell is uh, backing up Zane at the at the field linebacker position. Matt Criddle's coming along fast as well um, at that position, and then over at the the boundary linebacker position. Um, the backup right now is Isaiah Kofusi, who's made tremendous strides um, since last season and even even since the spring football. So really pleased with the way he's been coming along. Um, we have uh, at the middle linebacker position, uh, Rhett Sandlin and Adam Pulsifer have both taken significant reps with the first unit um, this this uh, fall camp and and have responded well. Adam's a tremendously smart player and uh, just is always in the right place at the right time. And then. Uh, and then Red is is really athletic. The high school safety can really get out and run, and, and we've been able to use that in some of our schemes and packages, and he uses that to his advantage really well. 
Adams is someone that's uh, gotten reps at a lot of different linebacker spots over the years. So he's kind of a utility guy; he can do a lot of everything. I would think back there. He sure can. Yeah, he he, um, you know, he he could coach. If if I uh, <laughs> something happened to me, I think, and and Kalani wanted to promote a player coach, then then he would be the guy to do it. He takes fastidious notes. In fact, I asked him if I could, you know, at the end of the season, if I could borrow his notebook and and just go back through as as we're reviewing the video from the season. How's Christian Folau, by the way, coming along as a young kid with a bright future? Oh, he's good. He's got those three guys I mentioned. They're all seniors in front of him, and yeah. so he'll. I think he'll be a guy that will spring onto the scene suddenly, and whether it's this year or next year. But uh, a lot of athletic ability, and really a, a, a player who prides himself on on being obedient and fitting within the scheme. And he's, he's a pleasure to work with. All right, Ed Lamb on the coordinator's corner coming up a little later on in this half hour. It's BYU defensive coordinator Elisa Tuiaki, offensive coordinator Jeff Grimes in the next half hour. When we come back, special teams coordinator Ed Lamb on the kickers and returners, the season opener with Arizona, and your questions from Twitter using hashtag CCBYU. This is the coordinator's corner brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Back after this. Dinner after the game at JCW's includes something for everybody, from burgers to wings, shakes to salads. JCW's quality, and a lot of it, in Lehigh, American Fork, Provo, South Jordan, and coming soon to Harriman. We are back on the Coordinator's Corner. Our season debut coming to you from the BYU Broadcasting Building, and this year being simulcast on BYU TV. Today we have all three BYU football coordinators on the show, and in ensuing weeks we'll rotate and visit with the two of the three coordinators for 30 minutes each. Our first guest on the first show of the season is Special Teams Coordinator coordinator Ed Lamb, and it was early in camp when uh, Kalani Satake said that not nearly as many folks, Ed, were concerned about the uh, punting and place-kicking battle as they were the quarterback battle. Uh, so uh, where do we stand today at uh, place-kicker and punter heading into the season opener? Right now, the, the number one place-kicker is, uh, it, for field goal and PATs anyway, Skyler Southam. He's at a he's at a fantastic camp and uh, come back really strong from his mission. So we hope that would happen, but it's hard to count on a, re, a returning missionary, especially with a skill position, quarterback, receivers, uh, kickers. That, that can be tough to, to get back to form. Um, Andrew Mickelson will be his backup. But on the kickoff side, uh, Andrew Mickelson... He can kick the ball so deep and so high. It's really been a strength of our of our team, the kickoff coverage the, the past few years, and he doesn't get enough credit for all those big hits that uh, Braden Elbakri lays down. Mm. Um, you know, Braden would be the first to tell you it's all about putting some height and distance and placement on the, on the kickoff, and he does a great job of that. And you've been asked uh, already a lot of times about the new kickoff rules, fair catch inside the 25, and it will change the way a lot of uh, teams approach that part of the game, including yours, right? Yes, for sure. And and I think it's something that just like uh, the strategy on going forward on fourth down for an offense, uh, whether to um, kick a field goal, go forward on fourth down, punt, all of that has to do with the opponent you're playing, how well your offense is, is doing, how, how strong your kicker is, and how he's, how he's been kicking recently. And all of that will, will continue to play in, I think, in this new phase of the game, the kickoff return, whether or not to fair catch and how to, how to strategize for that moving forward. Okay, on field goal PAT, we've been waiting a long time for Skylar Southam. He committed to BYU back when he was a U.S. Army All-American. Uh, has he kind of retained that uh, that form uh, post-mission? What makes him a special kicker? Well, he has. I mean, uh, any any special kicker has to have the leg strength, number one, and he, and he has that. And uh, so our, our range will be increased. Um, and then from there, operation time is big. Being able to trust the holder to get it down and being able to make just – 
minor adjustments. That uh, takes a lot of fast twitch muscles, and uh, and uh, he's, the way his nerves fire, the way he can make quick adjustments and still get the ball true. And then uh, maybe the last thing is he has he has no no hook. He usually doesn't hook the ball. Mm-hmm. It's a very straight flight, and so if he gets it lined up, then it it tends to be pretty going through the uprights. It's been a long time. Two thousand six was the last year that BYU had a 50-yard field goal or longer. Not that we're putting pressure on Skyler to be that guy that has these bombs every yeah. week, but he, he's the kind of guy that could make that kind of kick something you actually consider. Is that not fair to say? That's right. Yeah, I think our, our um, what we call our four-down territory is, has shrunk. You know, for the, the, That in-between area where you would want to punt and pin the opponent on a fourth down versus going for a field goal or feeling good and, and maybe being 80% on a field goal. Um, that that now for us this year, it looks like we'll be expanded the the field goal area. Okay, uh, punter uh, Red Almond, somebody we know pretty well, and Danny Jones is somebody we don't, and those are the two main guys right now, right? That's right. Yeah, Red Almond. Uh, you know, he's had his ups and downs at place kicker the last couple of years, and and uh, and did some amazing things, won some games, and then and then you know taking the brunt of uh, some. Uh, lack of success that we've had on the team but Rhett was never a, a place kicker he made himself into a place kicker when there was an opportunity um, and we didn't have much on the depth chart he's actually a punter came here as a punter we, uh, that precedes my arrival here and uh, he really has has upped his punting game and looks strong in that area so we've got a battle continuing to go on between Danny and Rhett and they're both very talented and uh, you know perhaps we'll use them both Danny comes from down under how'd you find him there's a um, there's a, an American football kicking school there called Pro Kick Australia, and uh, what they do is they take um, promising young um, Aussie rules football guys um, who maybe are looking for a different opportunity or to, to change their career in a little different direction. And sometimes it's guys that have played a few years of professional Aussie rules, and other times it's guys who are in the minor leagues. Danny was in the playing in the the minor league of uh, Aussie rules football, playing all over the country, and. And then uh, joined this Pro Kick Australia, and I happened to go over there, really targeting a different player. They don't. Uh, there's no way really to scout and recruit them. You just have to go over, and then the the, the guys running the school say, "Here's somebody that would fit in for you." <laughs> and uh, they were actually targeting a different player for me. But uh, Danny Danny stood out, and and we had an introduction, and and then from there he became the guy we recruited. Speaking of fitting in, just fitting, fitting in an airline seat is difficult for he's 6'4" 240. He's a big kid. Yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah he's a he's a big punter and I, and I think uh we'll use him once if if it turns out that both he and Red are punting, then you might see Danny running down on kickoffs and mm-hmm. and doing some other things for us, maybe playing linebacker or tight end. Uh wow, that would be something. Uh long snappers Mitch Harris for the time being and your holder is Gavin Fowler. Uh, that kind of wraps up your your guys in the uh, the kickoff and punt operation. In terms of returners right now, kickoff and punt return, who are the primary go-to guys uh, to start things off? Mike Shelton has really worked hard, as has have we all, to get our, our return teams going. Um, I feel really good, very positive about him going into this season as our punt returner. Um, he's backed up by Leva Hifo and, and Dylan Colley, who have done it in games. They're sure-handed, feel very good about having three. That is, that's a rare thing in college football to have three guys that can stand back there and field punts cleanly. Um, and then in the kickoff return game, Aleva Hifo is back. We missed him last year. He was really uh, more dynamic a couple of years ago and brought, brought to something to that kickoff return game. 
And then uh, Matt Hadley, maybe the off returner, I'm not sure if that's fair to say, a couple of years ago when he was playing, he was averaging 28 yards a kickoff return when he got his hand on the ball. That's right, and he will be that other starter, and, and uh, he does a, a great job of setting it all up, blocking that. What we call our, our off returner right. is really one of the more critical guys on that whole kickoff return team. I'm so glad to have him back. Okay, from Twitter, hashtag CCBYU. Tyler Weeks asks Coach Lamb, having lost a leader and playmaker at the linebacker position in Fred Warner, has there been someone this camp that has really stood out in a way that Fred did, or will it be more of a committee in terms of finding a replacement for now an NFL draft pick in Fred Warner and a starter with the 49ers, it looks like. Sure, yeah. Well, I'll have to just start with his his position, Zane Anderson. And, you know, in coaching, it's every year that cycle of losing great players and then and then having tremendous worry about who's going to step up and fill that void. And, and what I've learned over the years is there there is no new Fred Warner. There's just a different guy with different strengths and different weaknesses. And uh, and and Zane right now really pleased with his play, and they're they're not really comparable in the way that they play that position. They have different strengths and weaknesses, but I'm I'm really excited for everyone to see what Zane will bring to that position. Okay, we are too. Uh, the season opener is Saturday in Tucson. It is Arizona, and while everyone will have a hand in defending Khalil Tate, number fourteen is special. Your linebackers will be as involved as anybody in making sure they know where he is. What makes him a a remarkable player, and is there a best way to play a guy like that? What makes him a remarkable player is that uh, he he can extend any play, and, and and they have the offense to do it. So it's uh, what they run is the triple option, and, and not not the triple option like like Navy or or Army, not not that style of triple option, but really most of their plays, eight out of ten plays, have a run option, and then the option for him to pull the ball out of the running back's hands and keep it, and then uh, and even to throw it late off of that. So. Uh, he he has just uh, so much opportunity to use his legs. He'll be um, th- the best way to, to play a guy like that is to make sure that we've got eleven pairs of eyes on him. And so you know what makes it hard against teams like that it limits the amount of uh, man-to-man coverage and blitzes that uh, that we can do. And so we have to be choosy about when we use that, and we have to put them in some situations where we can we can get after him a little more with more aggression. He came in as an injury reserve in the Colorado game last year. Have you ever seen a game like that for a guy that wasn't the starter to begin the game? Uh, yes, yes, actually. I, I mean, it, no, I mean, not, not, to, not to demean the, the job that he did. It was, an, it was amazing what he came in and did just week after week after week against very strong defenses all throughout the Pac-12. But it's, it's really incredible the way that guys in college football rise to the occasion when the, the guy in front of them goes down or is unavailable and it's uh, sometimes a real eye-opener to us as coaches how much ability and talent is sometimes sitting right there on the bench behind the guy that's playing. Taysom Hill had games like that when he was coming in as a reserve early in his career. All right, our thanks to special teams coordinator, linebackers coach, and assistant head coach Ed Lamb. Ed, we'll see you soon. All right, that is Ed Lamb. Coming up after the break, we get defensive with coordinator Elisa Tuiaki. This is the Coordinator's Corner. We are presented by JCW's The Burger Boys here in Studio 3 at BYUB. We are back with more right after this. You are in the Coordinator's Corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Season premiere in our new home, Studio 3, inside the BYU Broadcasting Building this week. All three BYU football coordinators taking a turn on the mic. And for the first time this year, we say hello to third-year defensive coordinator and second-year defensive line coach, Elisa Tuiaki. E, good to see you. Good to be back. You rode your bike to the studio today? <laughs> motorcycle. Oh, of that kind of bike. Yeah. When you said I rode my bike, I was like, "Well, that's good. He's he's cycling up the hill. That's a but it's motorcycle for you." <laughs> what kind of what kind of model do you have? It, it's a Harley. It's a, a Road King. 
Of course, bicycle would not have been a bad. I mean, I, I kind of like the vision of you biking up here from down in the football office. I used to bike a lot when I was in Oregon, back and forth to work, and it was it was nice. So it's not I crazy to once. imagine you on a bicycle coming to no, the studio. No, I got then. a bike at the house. Okay. It's just got dust on it. All right, <laughs> with most of the uh, media attention focused on the offensive side of the ball, maybe during camp with the competition behind center and quarterback and all, the defense has kind of been able to uh, kind of go about its business. So, so how is business on the defensive side right B- now? Business is going well. Um, really, really excited for this week. You know, we've. Uh, We've had a good, tough, physical football camp, um, and uh, I think the boys are ready to start beating up on somebody else. Now, you've uh, you've lost a couple of good tackles from last year's team up front. Uh, you lost a linebacker to the NFL, and Fred, you've got uh, two new safeties and at least one new corner. There have been position switches on the D-line, at linebacker, and in the defensive backfield. So how well do you feel that everybody with new faces and new places is kind of acclimated to where you've got a starting 11 you feel you really count on here a Saturday night in Tucson? Feel feel pretty good. You know, it's the, a lot of the changes were made in the spring, and so those guys had 15 practices in those situations, and and uh, we've had all these practices in fall camp. And really, I think the biggest thing is just the the uh, the all the incoming freshmen, um, kids that we think are going to contribute, where they fit, how many snaps they can play, and and uh, you know how they're going to play under the big lights. Um, I think that's the biggest question. But we feel pretty good about all the the, the moves that we've made with Zane and. And, uh, you know, Diane, as well as Shen Takdaki, I think that all that's been been pretty good. And I think they consider themselves, you know, safeties and backers and um, the the positions that we've switched them to. Now, you you talk about, um, you know, defensive line, including freshmen. When you you say freshmen, are you talking about redshirt freshmen as well in that group? Because there are a lot of redshirts that we didn't see last year that were kind of out of sight, out of mind a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I am. You know, there's there's a couple of kids that got got a couple snaps before either getting hurt or just us deciding that we were going to redshirt them. Guys like Lorenzo Fawatea, for example. Guys like Lorenzo Fawatea. You know, Earl Mariner is another one that got hurt that didn't really get to play much. And, um, you know, those guys are going to be in. and, And then we've got you know, true freshmen like uh, uh, Devin Kofusi yeah. that we think is going to be able to contribute for us as well as the, the three young corners, at least right now, that are competing for those spots. Isaiah Heron, um, Malik Moore, and who am I missing? There's D'Angelo and then Keenan Keenan Ellis. Ellis. Yep. Again, Keenan. Yeah. Keenan was a redshirt right, last year. Yeah. But Keenan, Keenan was here this spring and has been doing a really good job. But, um, yeah, just a lot of youth right now. So Devin Kofusi, uh, younger brother of Corbin. So you literally have the Kafusi brothers at end right now. Is kind of running one too, don't you? Yeah, we do. And so Devin is Corbin's backup right now. So we're going into this week. Um, phenomenal athlete. I mean, he he remi- Devin right now reminds me of what Corbin was last year. I think gets uh, needs another year to continue to get beefed up. But is a kid that loves football, that that competes, is competitive, and just because of his length and, and athleticism is going to give a lot of people problems. Just off a of mission, right? Just off mission. So he was with us in the spring. Yeah. Yeah. But he is just off mission. So sometimes, you know, uh, RMs are a bit of a crapshoot, but he appears to be the kind of guy that conditioned his body properly and made it through camp kind of without a hitch and looks like he's ready to go and could play and, and, and be and contribute for you in his RM season. Yeah, he does. He does. And, you know, a lot of times it's, it's, uh, you know, I haven't, I haven't seen Corbin get hurt yet, you know, and I think a lot of times it, it's, uh, you know, attributed more to just the type of athlete and the body that they have. I mean, those two, I think, um, take a lot to hurt them, and I think that they're just durable. And you know, whereas other guys like you know myself, I'm I'm a guy that got hurt a lot just because I was, you know, full speed, hundred miles hundred miles an hour all the time, but just body wasn't as um, as built for 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 the type of stuff that we're doing. So those two are built the right way. And at six nine and six seven, there aren't too many teams that throw uh, defensive ends at that at that height at the same spot, and that's what you've got right now. Yep. 
How, how did Brackenell Bakri make it from a, a fullback and special team guy to someone who's in your two deep at uh, at tackle right now? Just sheer grit and determination. I mean, that kid, um, as I've talked to him and just his process as far, he was about, two, I don't know, 248, 250, um, you know, this spring. And, and we moved him to DN and thought that he was stout enough to play tackle. And I said, you need to gain weight and you're going to play tackle. And uh, he told me that this whole summer he set his alarm for, for 2 a.m., woke up in the morning to slam a 2,000-calorie shake and then go back to sleep. And, I mean, that type of determination – it, it you know it just fits with the old backers. I think that you know he's right now he's what is he two ninety two or two ninety four hmm. and uh, is is doing a good job right now. We've got him slated as one of the starters. Kyrus Tonga hasn't needed to set the alarm to slam shakes though, has he? At the we, at nose. No, he needs to set the alarm to get up and run on the treadmill and just keep it down. That's <laughs> they've been opposite ends of the spectrum. <laughs> But you feel pretty good about the depth at D-line, don't you? I do. I think we've got six D-tackles. You know, we normally go into a game with five D-tackles that can play, but I think we've got a legit three deep and six D-tackles and kids that can all contribute that I feel good about getting into the game and playing. Okay, before we head to break here, uh, new approach to practices. Uh, times of day change for the most part. Uh, new coaches in the mix to run things differently. How has it all turned out through camp now that you're into a game prep week? How would you look back on it and say you know, how it worked out for you? I think, I think it's been great. I think the, the shock every day for the coaches as well as the kids and just the change up and not allowing us get to get into auto mode uh, was really good for us to keep us on our toes and just keep going. And, and uh, we've seen a lot of growth in the kids and, and just getting them prep, prep for games. You lost a good corner in Trevion Green, but other than that, it was a pretty healthy camp, fair to say, defensively? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I think so. That's good. Well, break time. When we come back, your Twitter questions for Coach Elisa Tuiaki using the hashtag CCBYU on Twitter. You can, you can also visit the, the BYU Football Facebook page and ask questions on the comments section there. We'll talk about taking on a Heisman Trophy candidate in week one of the college football season. This is the Coordinator's Corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys, and we are back right after this. Dinner after the game at JCW's includes something for everybody, from burgers to wings, shakes to salads, JCW's quality and a lot of it. In Lehigh, American Fork, Provo, South Jordan, and coming soon to Harriman. Welcome back inside the coordinator's corner, visiting with defensive coordinator and defensive line coach Elisa Tuiaki. We hit uh, this subject with Coach Ed Lamb last segment, uh, taking on Khalil Tate in the opener. Uh, He's a shortlist Heisman Trophy guy, uh, came in as a backup last year for the number one guy just due to injury, and then kind of exploded. And during the month of October, I think it was the Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Week in four straight weeks, tremendous runner, finished with 1,400 rush yards, not starting the season for the first four games, and not a bad thrower to be on top of that. You've seen enough of Khalil Tate to know what he does and does well, and what are going to be absolute things that your defensive players consider to be must-do things against Khalil Tate on Saturday night. I think I think every defense that faces him this year is going to say that uh, they're going to need to keep him contained, you know, keep him bottled up, and um, you know we're gonna we're gonna need to make sure that we can keep him, uh, n- not allow him to to extend the plays with his legs, but uh, you know really force him to to throw the ball when he's supposed to be throwing it and, and see if we can tighten up coverage to really challenge him to throw it in those windows. But we've got to keep eyes on him because I think once you really start to uh, you know play more aggressive man coverage and all that stuff and you've got guys turning their backs to the quarterback, it's just not a good deal. Are those keys that, that, that go for most mobile quarterbacks or does he take it up a notch? You know, it is. It's, it is uh, it, it, it's a general rule when you're playing somebody that's a dual threat, but uh, his... You know his running ability is is, is phenomenal, and um, 
I mean, he, he's he's in the likes of the quarterback that was at Louisville. I think that those those type of athletes are guys that can that can get a first down in a bleak of an eye, and next thing you know, you're in the red zone. And so we just got to make sure that we're keeping keeping him bottled up and keeping him in front of us, so that he's not uh, ripping off 70, 80, 90 yard runs. Of course, your first year here uh, at BYU. Uh, BYU's quarterback was Taysom Hill, and, and a lot of the things you talk about are t- are things that other teams had to worry about with, with Taysom back there. Yep, yep, absolutely. And guys that can throw and run, I mean, they're they're, they're dangerous. Definitely, we got to change the way that we play our defense. By the way, are you keeping tabs at all on what Taysom's doing right now with the Saints in preseason? You know, I I don't uh, I don't I don't follow too much of the NFL right now. You know and. I, I need to, but I don't know what anybody's doing. <laughs> well, uh, spoiler alert: he's he's I think maybe close to locking down a backup spot there uh, to Drew Brees. Oh, sweet! Uh, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, yeah, you know, Drew loves him. Sean Payton loves him, yeah. and he had a rough preseason game a couple of weeks ago. Bounced back with just an amazing game this past week. He ran for a touchdown, threw for a touchdown, converted a first down on a fake punt, mm-hmm. and had a special teams tackle. Yeah, that, that so about he can right. do all four of those things. You might find a way to make the roster. Yeah. Uh, we talked last year on this program e a lot about. Uh, the phrase defensive havoc, and different coaches have different words for it, but disruption. And, and your first year as D coordinator, very disruptive. Last year, less disruptive. What will be keys to being, again, maybe the kind of disruptive defense you want to be in 2018, making more plays on the defensive yeah, side? Yeah, you know, as we look at it, it's uh, it's always it's always easier to predict an offense if you can get them in longer situations, obviously. And first down's huge for us when we've got to keep the offense um, to, to three or fewer yards. If we, we feel like if we can get them in second and seven or longer, uh, makes it a little bit more predictable and makes it harder for them to call plays and easier for us to kind of dial things up a little bit. And so we've got to play good run, run-stop defense, and we've always kind of talked about that through the years. We've got to stop the run, but we've got to play run good good run-stop defense, including the quarterback run on first down. I think that's huge for us. You've just spent uh, the better part of a month defending BYU's new-look offense with Coach Grimes and new coaches in place. You're more focused on how your guys have performed, but you've seen the new BYU offense. Now that you've seen it for three weeks to a month, how do you feel about improvements on that side of the ball? Because you've seen it up close. You know, I think that they've done a phenomenal job. I think that uh, those coaches are are great. They're they're the temp the tempo, the passion, the energy that they bring, as well as just the schematical problems that they bring on the offensive side of the ball. I think is is really fun. And um, we were actually I was talking with a couple of the players uh, while we were eating lunch. We were talking about the um, Thor Ragnarok. You seen that movie? No. Thor Ragnarok. Aware of it, not seen it. Okay, well there's there's a scene where Thor and the Hulk are are battling inside of an arena and um and Thor or or the Hulk grabs Thor and starts slamming him side to side. It's which happen. which happened yep. to Loki in the first one, right? Right, yeah. And so then Loki jumps up and is like, Ha, that's how it feels. I feel that way about our offense. I, I can't wait to be on the sideline and just see what they do to people and just physically, you know, take it to people as well as just, the, you know, all the different things that they do with, with uh, the scheme problems and just sit there and say, that's how it feels. I know exactly what you're going through. If there's, if there's one guy on the defense who's your Thor or your Hulk, who's, who's that guy right now? It's Jonas Taktaki. <laughs> He is a phenomenal athlete, and he is just so physical and explosive. I think that he's going he's gonna to do a lot of good for us this year. Uh, Tyler Weeks back with us on Twitter using hashtag CCBYU. Uh, wondered about what BYU was able to do in camp to maybe simulate uh, what you're going to see Saturday in Tucson uh, with, with someone like a Khalil Tate. Yeah, you know, um, the, the cool thing about our offenses is their you know, ability to go mo- you know, mobile with, uh, with the type of quarterbacks that we do have. 
Um, and, uh, you know, they're, they're all really smart coaches and know when they can put certain quarterbacks in. So then we've, we've faced um, Jaron Hall, and we've, you know, used – um, who, by the way, has looked pretty good for being just off a mission, right? In terms of what he's he asked him to do, right? He does. He looks. He looks phenomenal. Stacy Connor is another guy that we've thrown in there, as well as as well as uh, Baylor Romney that have been playing the scout team quarterback for us and have given us a good look. And and uh, you know, it's it's been good for us just to kind of, kind of get a change up. Who on your defensive staff is going to be up in the booth on uh, on the weekend in this season? We'll have Spencer Hadley up in the booth. And so he was in the booth uh, when he was at Weber. Uh, Preston also, Hadley. What did I say? Spencer. Who's Spencer? Spencer is Matt Hadley's <laughs> older brother, former linebacker here. We he might Preston. be in the box, too. Oh, we'll <laughs> but you get will have some Preston up there, there for sure, right? Preston will be up there. <laughs> you don't expect to have Spencer up there. If he shows up, it'll, he'll, be, he'll make a cameo. Yeah, yeah. I, I apologize for that. Yeah, so Preston will be up in the box, and uh, we'll have a couple of our GAs up there as well. All right, you'll be down on the field. I'll be on the helping field. Helping to keep things in order. Mm-hmm. All right, our thanks to defensive coordinator and defensive line coach Elisa Tuiaki. E, we'll see you soon. He'll get, he'll, he'll get back on the motorcycle, not bicycle, in a few moments. After the break, former BYU offensive line coach Jeff Grimes, now BYU's offensive coordinator, and he is with us next. This is the Coordinator's Corner presented by JCW's The Burger Boys. Stay with us. The Coordinator's Corner brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Well, 12 years after leaving Provo and since having traversed much of this country at coaching jobs for some of the biggest programs in the game, Jeff Grimes is back at BYU serving as an offensive coordinator for the first time in the third season now of the Kalani Satake era. And uh, Coach Grimes, welcome into The Coordinator's Corner here in Studio 3. Thanks, Craig. It's glad to be back. Has it been that long? It has been a while. Okay. Yeah, and a lot of schools since. And you've been a run game, what they call a run game coordinator, uh, for four different P5 schools since you left here, Arizona State, Colorado, Virginia Tech, LSU. For schools that divide the responsibilities up between run game and pass game coordinator, maybe uh, fill us in on how that exactly works in terms of division of labor and maybe how run game coordinator preps somebody to be O.C., well, in most cases, if you're if you're the offensive line coach working for a guy who um, divides ownership in terms of the play calling in general, you're going to be the the run game coordinator. And so, at times, I've had that title. At times, I haven't. But in most cases, that's how you serve, functionally speaking, as the offensive line coach, regardless. Um, and in some places, I've had more responsibility than others. But certainly, everybody that I that I've worked with, even when I didn't hold that title. Um, those guys have been great and given me a lot of input in the game plan as well as um, the opportunity to call some plays on game day. Hey, it's third and one here, Grammy. What do you want? Um, and I think those moments, if you can call a play in that moment when it's fourth and inches with the game on the line, then then you're probably able to call a, uh, a play at any time. But the, the staffs that I've been on that have functioned most effectively – are ones that did what you talked about. They divided the leadership and divided up the responsibilities, and I, I couldn't feel any better than I do right now about the staff that we have and the, the capacity for a number of guys to have ownership and have a great deal of um, not only input but incentive to succeed here. You now have a, a passing game coordinator in Aaron Roderick, no run game coordinator per se, but you and Coach Pugh kind of have that on lockdown right now. How is the offense maybe being run now here at BYU that perhaps differs from where you have been coaching before? Well, some places I've been, there's um, there's a coordinator who has his system, and 
he might come in and say, here's the system, learn my system, and then once you feel good about that, then I'll take your input and suggestions. I've done just the opposite, and I've said that this is going to be our system, and there's a lot of knowledge in the room, and and I certainly had a, a fairly good idea of what I thought it would look like in the end, but one thing I've learned over 25 years of coaching is that I don't have all the answers, and the guys that think they do, um, pride comes before a downfall. And so I guess one of the things that, that I've tried to do is, is really divide um, the ownership of what we're doing. And so because of that, honestly, everyone in our room has a voice, and I'm looking for everyone's input. And then at the end of discussion, I'll put my stamp on it and say, this is what we're going to do. And honestly, that's been a lot of fun because um, we really don't have egos. And um, as has been said, I think Harry Truman said it, there's a lot that anything can be accomplished as long as no one minds who gets the credit, right? Relative to what A-Rod is being asked to do, in terms of the call sheet, is is the call sheet always going to be your final stamp, uh, call by call, or because he is the pass game coordinator, is there a little bit of what are you thinking on on this particular down? The call sheet will be something that we'll all work through together, and ultimately, um, just like um, no personnel move would be would 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 take place on the team without Kalani's ultimate approval. No call goes on the call sheet without my approval. However. Um, I'm certainly leaning on him and Fessy a lot in the passing game, and, and Steve Clark as well, and especially with the number of tight ends who are talented pass catchers. And so I'm leaning on those guys a lot. And in the game, um, as we've called scrimmages and spring game and, and that sort of thing, and I'm sure sure will happen moving forward, I'll be in position where, hey, we're going to be in the red zone here in another play. Um, Fessy, think about a shot here that will get us in the end zone or – um, maybe it's second and nine, and I might say, hey, A-Rod, if we don't make much here, have a third and medium okay. call or third and long call ready for me. And I think that's the way a good staff should function. Okay. You're into Arizona game prep now by a few days, but uh, when you look back at camp and the way it was run and, and, and formulating your, your two deep or your depth chart, how do you look back now, now that you're through it, uh, your first quarterback decision between what turns out to be the senior and the freshman who are now 1-2 on, on your list? I honestly thought it could go either way for quite a while and um, honestly didn't really care which way that it went. I was pulling for Tanner because I, I, I believe in the story, but I also believe in, in the story of being willing to give the job to a young upstart if he's the best guy for the job at that time. And both of them did a great job. Um, we didn't know fully what to expect from Tanner because we didn't get as large a sample size from him in the spring as we did from Zach and Just and due to Joe. Tanner's rehab. But, yeah. Right. Wasn't able to do nearly as much. But I was impressed with the way that he prepared and, and how diligent he was. And so I really thought it could go either way. And A-Rod and I had several conversations about it throughout the summer and throughout fall camp and and honestly, for the first couple of weeks, it was it was neck and neck, and it was a really um, close decision. But the longer camp went on, the more Tanner separated himself. It wasn't anything that Zach did poorly. It was just Tanner rising above and being really efficient in a number of things, his completion percentage, his ability to handle a variety of situations, two-minute drills, checking plays, um, how to handle a situation when the clock is running low and get the ball snapped before we have a delay a game and 
a number of different things that he just handled really well, and and he should handle those better. Quite honestly, he's got more experience yeah. and and more on the job training. So instead of it being maybe a simple tiebreaker situation where the more experienced guy gets it, it was a matter, if I interpret you correctly, of, of Tanner going out and as things wore along, just making it sure that he went ahead and won the job. So there wasn't really a tiebreaker scenario. Correct. Tanner won the job. Okay. Competitive advantages against Arizona for you right now would include uh, the unknown. They don't have Jeff Grimes' film necessarily to go on. They might know how Tanner Mangum looks, but they don't know how he runs your stuff. How much can novelty be used right now as a competitive advantage, if not a weapon, against uh, someone who doesn't have a lot to go on? I think that certainly factors into some of our decisions regarding game plan. As a matter of fact, before just before I came over here, Coach Pew and I were just talking about that, making some decisions and what we want to do in the run game. And, and you base some of it on guesswork, what, what they'll be thinking, what they'll be studying. Certainly they'll study LSU film. Would they go back and look at other places I've been prior to that? Would they look at what other people have done that are, that are working with me now? How much will they look at the spring game, knowing that typically you get a watered-down version of your offense in the spring game? Um, and as we were talking through all that, I think it certainly has some some weight, but ultimately it comes down to what we do best and what our players can execute the best. And so I think that's a that's a factor in the decision, but it's a secondary one. Okay. OC Jeff Grimes with us in our closing segment of this season's debut show. Straight ahead, we've got to look ahead to the weekend in Tucson and your Twitter questions for offensive coordinator Jeff Grimes using the hashtag CCBYU. You can also ask questions on BYU Football's Facebook page at Facebook Live in the comments section there. This is the Coordinator's Corner brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. We're back after this. Dinner after the game at JCW's includes something for everybody, from burgers to wings, shakes to salads, JCW's quality, and a lot of it. In Lehigh, American Fork, Provo, South Jordan, and coming soon to Harriman. It's opening week for BYU football, Cougars, and Arizona. It'll be a 645 Mountain Time pregame right here on the network and 845 for our kick. BYU offensive coordinator Jeff Grimes with me in studio here in this week one. And, uh, Coach, offensive line play is obviously in your wheelhouse. Uh, You and Coach Ryan Pugh inherited a group with 57 career starts. But you and the other coaches said coming into 2018, everybody was starting fresh. What happened before didn't really matter a whole lot. So now that you're kind of with a new group to you, even though they have some starts, how do you like maybe the starting five to start with and how many are you counting on heading into Tucson on Saturday night? Number one, I like what this group is made up of. I think we've got the right kind of kids there that um, can develop into a really, really good offensive line. We're not there yet, but I think we've got the potential to be really good up front. I think the combination of the guys who are who are in starting position right now, plus maybe um, three or four others, and we've got some new guys who who have not played much, um, when you factor in a guy like Keanu who moved over from defense but shows a lot of potential, I think as the season progresses, you might even see more guys playing. And certainly we hope everyone stays healthy. But whether they do or not, I think we'll continue to have a good bit of competition there. And I think that's a positive thing. I mentioned career starts, and there are some. Yet we're looking at the possibility of first snaps on Saturday, including a redshirt freshman in Brady Christensen, a redshirt freshman in James Empey, and a sophomore who hasn't played for BYU yet in Tristan Hodge. Yet there's a high trust level clearly for all those three guys from you. Certainly all those guys have worked really hard and had had a good spring, good summer, good fall camp, and have proven themselves with 
with a lot of competition in that position. And we've rotated guys around. Ryan's been playing musical chairs with the line, and, and I like that, and that's what I've always done too. And so those guys have played multiple positions and have had to work to earn those spots. So they've been through the crucible, and I think they're better for it. I look at a guy like Tristan, and I kind of see a natural leader and somebody who will be that for you in, in seasons to come. But the Austin Hoyt story to me is kind of interesting. He's entering his senior year, and I think maybe now prepared to be a real anchor for that group. Where would you say he was when you first got him, saw him, to where he is now and what you expect of him this year and what he might be moving forward? Well, what I heard about him when I first got here was that he was a guy that wasn't um, – Real motivated to play football and probably would tell you that himself, I hope anyway, but said that I um, wasn't sure how much um, – anyway, I'll just say that I see a big difference in his um, his motivation level to play, to succeed, um, to be willing to work. If you just look at his, at his body, how much it's changed. I, he was one of the first – actually was the first player that I met when I walked in hmm. here um, back in January. And I looked at, at his body then and said, wow, that's a pretty big kid. And I look at him now and go, that looks like an NFL offensive tackle. And certainly he is one of the guys that, that we're counting on being an anchor in the offensive line, also a guy that I think will be a real leader for us this year. If you had to ballpark it, how many guys have you coached on the O-line that are now making money to do that in the NFL? That are playing right now? Yeah. And or have maybe done it and have already retired, say, for example. But you've sent guys to the league before out of the offensive line. Guys that have gone and played, I don't know, I'd probably say in the neighborhood of 30. So you know what an offensive tackle looks like in the NFL, and you just mentioned Austin Hoyt to have that kind of potential. I hope so. Well, I think he'll have to earn that this year, but I think he certainly has the potential. From Twitter, Chris Davis with using hashtag CCBYU here on Coordinator's Corner. Chris asks, finding an offensive identity is important in college football because of limited practice time. What does Coach Grimes hope the offensive identity of BYU is this season? Part of that you'll see when when we play our first game, and so I, I don't want to reveal too much in terms of what we will do. But I think one thing that uh, we'll bank on is that we'll play football the right way. We'll execute we won't beat ourselves. We'll hang on to the football. We'll eliminate the um, silly penalties that are so often um, rampant early in the season. And that's that's one of the things that I've been most pleased with this fall camp is that as camp has progressed, we've had fewer and fewer of those things that, that would beat yourself. And, you know, in, in this first game especially, uh, more often than others, games are lost than one. Game one being a prime example of that. First play calls for an offensive coordinator in this situation might bear more pressure than others, but that said, how excited are you to have that call sheet in front of you and get this thing running on Saturday night? I am excited about it. I'm excited I'm excited for our team. I'm excited for our fans and, and ready to see what what they will do. I know they're they're going to be ready. We're not there yet, but when we when we show up on Saturday night in Tucson, we'll be ready. Have you decided? I'm sure you have. We're five days away. Are you going to be on the field or in the booth this year? I, I went back and forth on that, and I think there are advantages to both. But given the dynamics on our staff, I think it'll be best for me to be on the field, at least to start with. And that's where you've spent most of your, would say it's fair to say most of your career coaching is on the field? All of my career. All of your career. Yeah. 
And I, I did a couple of scrimmages and the spring game in the booth, and I think it can certainly be done that way as well. But I've got some real quality guys in the booth, and I have a lot of confidence in the information that they'll be able to give and help with the play calling as well. So face-to-face with your guys on Saturday night. Yeah, I kind of like it when I can put my hands on them. <laughs> we look forward to seeing Coach Grimes making those first play calls and seeing what they uh, what they bring us on Saturday night. It is a great time of year, and it all starts Saturday in Tucson, 6.45 for the Mountain Time pregame with an 8.45 kick, the BYU Cougars and the Arizona Wildcats as we get the 2018 season underway. And that's going to do it for our first edition of the Coordinator's Corner, presented by JCW's, the Burger Boys. Our deep thanks to Coaches Lamb, Tuiaki, and Grimes, and for our producer, Jason Shepard, associate producer, Sean O'Neill, engineering help from Sean Fay, Michael Miner, and so many others. My name is Greg Grubel. Thanking you for tuning in on BYU TV, BYU Radio, and ESPN 960. We'll talk with you again next Monday at 11 a.m. Mountain Time. So long for now on the Coordinator's Corner.